I don't, maybe, maybe that is the thing. Maybe it is this where we just being numb is safer mm. all across the board, just as a defense mechanism. It's just, it, it's easier to feel like you're on a flat road at all times than to actually go uphill to enjoy the downhill. It's not perfection, but with any luck, you'll get something to chew on, maybe a thought or two to get unstuck. It's not perfect, no. It's perfect. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren, and I'm so happy to have you here. We're on the second episode of the sixth season, and I have a great guest to introduce you to, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. But before that, I wanted to have a little story time. So this is a story about how I went to the doctor this week, and that might sound like not that big of a deal, but it is. And maybe you can relate to this, so that's why I want to share it. Um... I have a hard time making appointments for myself and I always kind of just thought that was normal. That's just the way it was. And then of course I saw a TikTok and everything changed Um, (laughs) because TikTok is where I learn everything about everything right now. Um, I watched a TikTok where someone is explaining the concept of step thinking and they broke it down. And up until that point, I thought that was a universal experience and I thought everybody did that, Um, but it's not. Uh, it turns out it's not all people, it's just some of us. So step thinking is essentially where you have to do a task. And instead of just doing the task, like I need to go take a shower, um, and you go take a shower, you step think it. So you think out all the steps between right now and you doing that task. So if I need to take a shower, I have to um, turn on the water, I have to take off my clothes, I have to wait for the water to get hot, I have to get in the water, I have to get wet. I have to shampoo my hair, I have to wash my body, I have to shave my legs, I have to dry off, I have to be cold, I have to find a towel, like step thinking. And that happens to me all the time. It's debilitating. And I thought everybody did that. Turns out, no. So that happens to me a lot with doctor's appointments, especially if I'm having to find a new doctor. So I have been seeing a therapist um, for a few years now, the same one. And for about a year now, she's been telling me that I'm presenting with signs of PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And up until now, I've always just thought it just meant like really bad PMS. And she thought that because I kept coming to her and explaining that like during the week before and week of my period, my mood was just horrible. Like I had terrible, terrible depression. I couldn't get myself to do anything, shower, to-do lists, um, make plans, keep plans, smile. Like I was just miserable every month during the same time. And I always just thought like, that's just kind of how it is. When you have PMS, you get kind of sad. And like to the point where I thought like everything, like the world was ending, nothing was okay and it was never going to get better. And then like clockwork, which should have been my first sign, 
coming out of my period that next week, I would feel like I was thrown into a manic episode where I was just super energized, so productive, could get everything done, getting all my tasks done, super clear-headed, super focused. And that I just kept going bouncing back and forth between this manic and depressive back and forth. And she was like, you don't have to feel that way. Like, that's not super normal. I think you should go see a psychiatrist and maybe get put on something. And it's not the first time I've been told to see a psychiatrist. It's not the first time I've been suggested or recommended to be put on, you know, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicine, medicine in general. And I've never done it. I've never tried prescription medicine for my mental health. And the only reason is because of this step thinking. And I never put it together before that. But I have such, it's so daunting to find a psychiatrist and keep the appointment and try different medicines. Like those were all the steps I was thinking of. So instead of just being told by my therapist, Hey, this seems like a problem. You should go to a psychiatrist and get help. Um, a regular maybe person would have been like, okay, here's a psychiatrist. Here's my appointment. I'm going to go get help. I got help. I'm a better now those are the steps, right? For me, it was, I need to find a psychiatrist, figure out my insurance, see if there's someone in my insurance, see how much they cost, make the appointment, keep the appointment, go to the appointment, divulge my entire mental health history to this person, um, hopefully in one session so they can figure out what I need, prescribe it to me, go to the pharmacy, pick up the prescription, try it for about a month or two, see if it even works. And if it doesn't start all over again. And that task was so daunting that I just never did it. And I, because, and part of it was like, I didn't know what to tell a psychiatrist. Like I, I was having, I didn't have words. Like I couldn't articulate what it really was. Cause I felt like I wasn't informed enough. And then I saw a TikTok again. <laughs> I saw another TikTok. God bless that up. And somebody explained the correlation and connection between dopamine deficiencies and your menstrual cycle. And all the dots connected. And for the first time, I was like, oh, my goodness. I finally feel like I have enough information to go advocate for myself. But so to explain what the connection is, basically, uh, someone who experiences a period has a menstrual cycle. It lasts about 28 to 30 days. And, you know, the first day of the cycle is when your body's kind of like full of estrogen and like getting your eggs ready to be set to go get pregnant. And (laughs) this is a little sex ed chat for everyone who hasn't heard this before. And I'm laughing, but I'm really bitter about it because I'm so bitter about how grossly misinformed we all are about the reproductive system, myself included. I feel like I joke about this with my friends. Like when I was trying to get pregnant, I had to Google what is ovulation like every month, how to figure it out, when it is, how does it work? Like I was so misinformed. I had no information about my own body. Same with sex ed. Like all of it was, it. we are shooting blind out there. We have no idea what's going on. So here's the, here's the rundown. First 14 days of your period, you're in your like follicular phase and your body is filled with extra estrogen. Like your estrogen levels are high and that's why you feel energized and focused and clear headed and you're glowing and you, you just feel kind of good. Then your 14th day hits and you enter your luteal phase of your menstrual cycle. And that's like the week before entering into the week of your period, last two weeks of your cycle and your estrogen, um, recedes and your progesterone, which is another hormone, reproductive hormone, spikes. And when your progesterone spikes, your dopamine plummets. 
That's just how that interacts with each other. So for somebody who's already experiencing a dopamine deficiency, and that's someone who experiences depression, that's someone who has ADHD, that progesterone spike can drop their dopamine below the threshold that is tolerable. And it can have devastating effects on their quality of life. So like for a regular person who isn't experiencing PMDD, because PMDD is basically the effect of something like that, someone who has a dopamine deficiency is more likely to experience PMDD, which is when your PMS is so bad that it's intolerable and unsustainable. A person who doesn't experience that would just kind of get dropped their dopamine will drop a little, they'll feel a little sad, a little dysregulated, need a nap, need to sleep more. Um, but it's tolerable, it's sustainable. They can manage it in their life. This is another conversation, but in general, women still can't manage their life around that because society is not built to support the 30-day female menstrual cycle. But that's another discussion. But in general, it's sustainable. But for someone who already has a dopamine deficiency, when their dopamine plummets to that level, it can have devastating effects. So that put the light bulb out for me. And I was like, I need to, I, I know what I need to do now. I still wasn't able to go see a psychiatrist because I was step thinking myself out of that idea. But I do have a regular doctor and I've made appointments with them before. I don't have to find them. I don't have to find their number. I don't have to get to know them. They have my history. So the steps were less. So I made a call to my doctor. I made sure to speak to um, one of the female like doctors in the practice. And I made an appointment with them. They were able to see me the next day. And I spoke to them. And I told them everything I just told you, everything I had been experiencing, everything that I had learned. And they let me know that that was very common. And they have help and they have ways to help that. And it was that easy. And so she prescribed me with Zoloft and which is an SSRI. And I'm gonna get started on it on Monday. And I'll explain why I'm waiting to start in a second. But basically, I'm taking she prescribed 50 gra- 50 milligrams um, of Zoloft the first half of my cycle and then boosting it to 100 milligrams in the second half of my cycle in that luteal phase when my dopamine drops. And we're going to see how it goes. And I'm going to talk to her again in, in four to six weeks. And we're just going to see how it goes. And maybe it's perfect or maybe I need something else. And I'm ready to start that process. Like I feel confident and supported enough to try different things. So the reason I'm waiting if you've heard this uh, um, the podcast in the past or you know me or you know this story, I have been microdosing psilocybin mushrooms for about a year now to help with my mental health. And it's helped tremendously, and I'll explain. But basically, psilocybin is proven to like help with your serotonin. So it helps boost your serotonin. And I've been taking it for about a year. My protocol is I take five um, days on, two days off, which means I take Monday through Friday, capsule every morning. I skip on the weekends. I do that for 60 days and then I take a 30 day tolerance break and then I start again. That's the protocol I've been doing and it's worked amazingly. Um, a microdose for anyone who doesn't know is what is, is exactly what it sounds like. So a full dose would be like a few grams of, um, I think that's right. I don't know, of mushrooms. So you would t- have take a full dose and have a full trip and hallucinate and have a psychedelic experience. I've actually never done that before. But that, and that's also not what I've, I've been doing. So I've been taking microdoses, which is like 0.1 
gram of psilocybin in a capsule every morning. So there's no psychedelic hallucinogenic effects. Um, It's simply to help boost your serotonin. You have to kind of work with it, figure out your, your tolerance, your dosage. And it's been really helpful. Like I remember the first day I tried it, I felt serotonin in my brain for the first time. Like I felt and noticed a difference. I remember I was driving to take my walk in the morning and I was just, I had a smile on my face. Like my face had a smile on it. And that was new. <laughs> that was new. I, up until that point, had not felt that way. I didn't just suddenly find myself smiling. Um, and I, I felt like my face was like warm and happy and smiley. And I was like, wow, this feels really good. I want to feel like this more. Um, and that's just the, the, that was just the beginning of the journey. It has helped me so much and just given me so much clarity. And I think that it is what's given me the clarity to now make this next move in my mental health journey to seek further support. So whereas up until before I started the microdosing, I didn't really know what was going on with me. I just know I felt wrong and bad and needed help, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And then I started taking this, the psilocybin. And over the past year, I've become so much more clear-headed, so much more in tuned with myself. So I can actually witness what is happening within me. And with that witnessing, I'm able to then articulate it and seek the support I need and find the resources I need. And that has been tremendous. And that's why I'm here now and I'm able to start. The reason I'm waiting to start the Zoloft on Monday is because it's important to not take psilocybin with an SSRI because psilocybin boosts your serotonin, SSRI boosts your serotonin. And there's something called serotonin syndrome. And that's very rare. And it's usually in cases of like overdosing, but it is real. And I want to be cautious about it. And serotonin syndrome is when you put too much serotonin in your body and it can have devastating effects. So I stopped taking the microdosing when I got prescribed like a few days ago, and I'm going to have about seven days in between. And Everyone I've consulted with, including my doctor, who was very supportive when I explained this all to her, everyone says that that sounds like a good plan and it should all be out of my system by then and I can start the Zoloft on Monday. So that's the whole story. And the reason I'm sharing it is because I think hearing someone else talk about it is one of the best ways to inch yourself closer to advocating for yourself because that's been my experience. I've known I've needed to be medicated for about 10 years now. I've probably needed to be medicated for longer than that, but I didn't start seeking therapy until about 10 years ago. And since my very first appointment, they've suggested, they quickly diagnosed me with generalized anxiety disorder. Soon after that, they diagnosed me with depression. Um, You know, I explained a year ago, they told me I probably have PMDD. And I was never, I never felt comfortable or supported enough to go seek out medicine and and start trying it. And I've over time heard other people that I respect and I admire talking about it. And and just people that I'm I'm close to that I love that I relate to talk about their experience with getting prescribed something and taking it and the help that it's given them. And little by little chipped away at whatever that boundary I had was and I finally feel like the door is open and I'm able to walk through it. So people like close friends of mine talk to me about their medication journey. Glennon Doyle is an author that I very much admire and respect. And she's very open about her, um, you know, her anxiety and how she takes Lexapro and how much it helps her. And I just saw um, 
comedian Taylor Tomlinson did a special on Netflix where she talked so openly about her mental health. It was fucking fantastic. If you haven't seen it yet, please go watch it. But she talks very openly about starting medicine and her journey with it and how much it's helped. And like little by little, it just seemed more and more accessible to me the more I heard people talk about it. So that's why I'm sharing my story here. So maybe I can inch you closer to advocating for yourself if you're in the same position I was in. Um, So that's it. That's the whole story. I'll keep you posted. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but that's where I'm at now. So that's the story time. Thank you for joining. Um, and now I want to jump right into today's guest and she's actually a second time guest. I'm trying to think if anyone else has been on here twice. I don't think so. I think she's our first, if I'm mistaken, let me know. But this is Courtney DeLugos. Yay. (laughs) Um, I forget what season she was on before this. I should have looked that up, but I've had her on the show before. She's on again. She's a dear friend of mine. And the more that I do these episodes with her and the more that I keep hanging out with her on the internet, I realize like how similar we are and how much I like her. <laughs> like I've always like adored her, but the clo- I feel like we're getting closer and closer the more we hang out and chat. Um, So we didn't talk about this, I guess, in the episode, probably in the last one, but I'll fill you in. Courtney is a friend of mine. I met her, God, that was a long time ago, almost 10 years ago maybe like eight, eight years ago. Um, we were living in Miami. She was a roommate of a friend of mine and, um, I, I met her through there. And then my friend and her moved out to LA to pursue um, a career in the business. And I stayed in touch with her here and there. And then I invited her on the show that one time and we've stayed closer in touch since then. And she's just like the coolest, like I'm going to be sharing, um, her TikToks and things like that on my social media. So you can go back and check on that. But She's hilarious. She's so funny, so witty, so smart, so creative. She's gorgeous and beautiful. And and she's so talented. She's such a talented actress and writer and director and producer. Like she's got it all. She's everything. And she's might be blushing and like rolling her eyes if she's listening to this, but I believe that. I think she's great and anyone who sees her feels the same, I'm sure. Um and you might know her from TikTok. She's gotten pretty popular on the app as a TikToker and she does really funny skits and makes hilarious points and you need to go follow her. Um, I'll tag all of her socials down in the show notes of the episode. And we get into everything in today's episode. We talk about mental health. We talk about work and career stuff and the business. We talk about imposter syndrome and dealing with um, insecurities and self-esteem and everything. So I really feel like whoever is listening, you're going to find something to relate to when you hear from Courtney. Um, She's not just a pretty face. (laughs) Um, That's all for that. I want you to just start getting into the episode. So a few reminders, you can subscribe to the episode. That would help greatly if you want to keep listening to it. So it'll always just pop up in your app next time you want to listen. Um, You can share the podcast with other people who might enjoy it. Um, I'm not super engaged in social media anymore. So your guys' help makes a huge difference in getting the word out about the podcast. Um, if you're not already signed up for the newsletter, I have that linked in the show notes. You'll get a newsletter from me every Friday, get a kind of rundown of what the week was like in the news and for myself and funny things and happy things to kind of break up the wretchedness of world affairs at the moment. Um, and you'll get a reminder to listen to that day's episode. Um, what else? 
I guess that's all. Just keep hanging out with me on the internet. Let me know if you, there's anybody you want to hear from on the show. And now I'm really excited and honored to introduce you to today's perfect guest, Courtney DeLugos. Enjoy. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to see you. Do you hear me okay? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. I'm on my, my, um, I always call them ear pods, air pods. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll get rid of the dog barking and the wind blowing. That's fine. <laughs> All the shit. How are you? I'm good. I was just set it, sitting here like setting things up and I realized like I didn't prepare any questions for you because I'm just like excited to catch up. <laughs> like, so I'll just yeah. do it on the fly. <laughs> what do you mean questions? I have questions for you. Um, <laughs> like, how the fuck are you doing in Florida? How's that going? <laughs> me in. Florida's all right. Um, I'm all right in Florida. It's, I mean, it's like a shithole, like in a lot of ways. But where I live is like lovely. It's like very lever to beaver you, like with the kids and stuff. So like, family life is is fine right now. Um, we're not really like touched. Like I have the privilege of not being touched by a lot of like the bullshit that's happening. Um, but other than that, I mean, the weather is nice. So. <laughs> Right. It's, it's all right. Freezing here. Yeah. Where are you? Are you in Nashville still? I'm in Nashville, yeah. Okay, cool. Staying strong. But yeah, it's like 40 degrees, which mm. yeah, shorts, I'm sure it's, you know, negative two in like Vermont or wherever sure. the hell, but like 40 is just always colder somewhere. I'm not a cold weathered person, like at all. No. I would so much rather be hot and sweaty than like cold. Same. Oh, I like, I can't function in the cold. My body shuts down. My mm-hmm. fingers don't move. My mouth doesn't move, which is just a <laughs> catastrophe. So are you into like yeah. snow sports? Cause you were in West, you grew up in West Virginia. Is it like, were you like doing like stuff in the snow and like skiing? Cause I never I mean, did that stuff as a kid. Cause I was in Miami. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I, I know I never went skiing. I was, we were, mm-hmm. I was way too poor. It's such an expensive mm-hmm. sport. <laughs> yeah. Um, so expensive. Um, but like, yeah, I, I remember I had snow pants and snow gear, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I also had like the poor man's version. Like we had the snowsuit, but I would just wear it was like a hand-me-down snowsuit I got from like Gabriel Brothers or mm-hmm. you know, Goodwill or whatever. And I would just put like my mom's sweatpants over top <laughs> and you know, some random hoodie or something. Yeah. Um and I would go sledding, but I like I I never really enjoyed it. I remember mm-hmm. being in the snow and being like, this is what I'm supposed to like because I'm a kid. Yeah. But I, I kind of just wanted to go back and say. Mm, that's so validating to hear. Because like, I'm yeah. not a, a cold weather person. I'm not into snow really. And my husband like loves the snow and he really wants to our kids to learn how to ski and like have that experience because he never had it and like all these things. And I'm like, cool. Like that's probably a really good skill for my kids to have. Like I'm down. But like we go skiing and I hate every single moment of it like I literally am like out loud walking around people I'm like how do people like this like what is fun about this I think every single aspect of it is shitty but the kids are learning how to ski so I guess that's a good thing yeah good hand-eye coordination it's a fine skill to have sure I I feel like I like the idea of like going to the ski lodge and Mm -hmm. drinking spiked apple cider by the fireplace and like I have like the Hallmark movie version of it mm-hmm. in my head that I'm like this is great but 
in actuality, yeah, the cold just does not, I don't vibe well with the cold. I'd rather be sweating. I also realized I have like a sensory issue with like layers. Like I don't like having like mm. multiple layers of clothing on. I get like really flustered. And then we were skiing the other day. We were in Asheville. Um, I don't remember. It was like a few months ago. And it was like we went on the, the mountain and it got really warm. It was like in the 50s. And I had to like take off all my layers and like wrap everything around my waist and take my kid's jacket and tuck it in and her mittens and the hats. And the, I felt like a pack mule. I was just like sludging yeah, yeah. around with everything. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> like, so maybe there's a better way to do it. I need to like life hack it, but I haven't enjoyed it so far. I mean, how that sounds miserable. And yeah. I also, I, the, the combination, I would rather be in Miami under the sun sweating than mm-hmm. freezing and, you know, not having feeling on my fingertips. But I also am the kind of person who I will cover myself in like six blankets just to stay warm. And then I'll start yeah. like profusely sweating under the six blankets. It's a very, because I'm also a big sweater. So it's a very weird, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing to my body. I'm sure it's not great on all aspects, but whatever. We do what we can. We're just, <sighs> we're trying to survive out here. All right. That's the name of the game. Just surviving. Oh. So how are you feeling these days? What's your mood been like? Where have you been at? What an interesting question. I mean, <laughs> all over the fucking place. I, mm. I feel like, um, really anxious which I know is like the hot button word my uh I have I have go to an acting class here and um the acting teacher the guy who runs it made a really interesting observation he was like I feel I feel like before we start doing because we'll do like scene work and and class and you do it in front of the whole class and it's can be an intimidating thing especially depending on what scene is whatever and he was like I feel like over the past year six months to a year people have gone from saying i'm nervous to start the scene and they've started Mm. saying i have anxiety about starting the scene Mm. which i thought was really interesting just as just a societal i don't know little anecdote or something but but i do feel like i've had uh coming in and out of waves of anxiety just Mm being over 30 now and having all these goals that I haven't met that I was a hundred percent sure I was going to meet when I was 25 or whatever by the time I was 30 and just these arbitrary goal lines that I've set that I haven't met um and just not like I'll I'll it'll be 6 p.m and I'll be like what the fuck did I even do today to Mm -hmm. like progress as a human being it's just so in and out my my um thing right now that I'm trying to focus on is just enjoying the process like truly enjoying the process mm. which is so hard yeah what does that look like in practice I don't fucking know I'm I haven't even figured <laughs> it out yet I just have it written on my dry erase board um but I I think I really don't know. I mean, I under, I, the concept to me is, is what I'm, I just kind of, I'm like over the hill on because it's, I feel like we have, it's important to set goals, right? Like you and I have things that we want to do in our life when we set those goals and it feels so good when we reach them. And it also feels so shitty when we don't reach them. And Mm -hmm. again, we set these arbitrary deadlines to help push ourselves, but then we also feel bad we don't meet them. 
And I was kind of living in that goal setting place for my whole life. Um, <laughs> and definitely recently. And I was like, oh, wow, there, I spend probably 99% of my time in the journey. And that 1% is meeting those goals. You know, and I'm like, what mm-hmm. the fuck am I doing? Like, just waiting for that 1%. Like, why don't I figure out a way to enjoy that 99%? And again, I don't really know what it looks like. But I think it's, I think it's being present, right? I'm sure that helps, um, which is just <laughs> hard. I, I don't even, again, I don't even know what that looks like. It's like, I don't, I can't tell you last time I was like, oh, I was present in that moment. <laughs> No idea. Oh man. Yeah. I ironically want to say it was like the last time I was high, which is like that that can't be good. Um dude, I'm, I'm I'm figuring it out, but I do I don't have the answer, but I know that, that that's gotta be a good place to start. Mm. I think that's a great perspective to have. I mean, even just like like what I'm thinking about when you say like I don't know what it looks like in practice, like just having it there is helpful, right? So that when you catch yourself, yeah. you have that to kind of hang on to like, oh, wait, we're trying to be in the present. Like, let's, let's try. So it's like the constant reminder system in the moment is probably super helpful. I came up with something, I think yesterday I was having like a little light bulb moment because I was thinking about how I'm like already starting on the, what my idea for my next book, like I kind of just like landed and I was like, I'm, I'm like excited about it and working through it. But I'm also like, okay, I have to like publish it like tomorrow. Like it has to be out already. Like I'm so, I have this like rushed feeling. And the time between my first book and my second book was like six years. And the whole time I knew I had another book to write. I just didn't know what it was. And it took me a long time. And like, I was turning the whole deadline thing on its head yesterday. And I was like, instead of telling myself like, okay, Lauren, like by you know, a year from now, it better be published and like setting things like that. I was like, Lauren, give yourself five years to publish this book. Like make yourself wait five years to publish it. Like force the patience because we have this like instant gratification illness. And I'm, it, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Like I don't have the tools or skills for sure, but it made me start thinking about it differently. Like, what am I, who am I rushing for? What am I rushing for? What's, what's the rush? There's no race involved. And so that helped me a little bit to kind of just like, cause you need the space to be creative. Like you need to give yourself room to like be creative and come up with ideas and play with your ideas. And if you're constantly like, Oh, there's an idea. Let me just, let me do something with it. It doesn't really turn into something great necessarily because <laughs> you're like rushing it. So that's yeah. that's where my creative process has been lately. Yeah, I it, it is an interesting thing because I I get stuck. I I'm trying to do. By the way, I have to say I so I got your book like a year ago, I think, and I started reading it, and it was great. <laughs> and I this is so shitty. I don't think I've read a physical book since. Like I've been listening to audiobooks and podcasts yeah. because I can I feel I can multitask. Mm-hmm. But to like sit and read a book feels unproductive. Ooh. How crazy is that? Isn't that it's weird? Fucked. It's fucked. It's I feel the so same way. Fucked. It's so fucked. I hate it. <laughs> but I'm like, I can listen to a book while I'm 
exercising mm-hmm. or while I'm doing the dishes or cooking dinner or whatever the hell, um, or while I'm driving, but God forbid I sit and read a book on a Saturday that I'll enjoy. Anyways, I, um, I, I read, I started reading it again last night and it's so fucking oh. good. You're such a good writer. Oh, uh, like wow. I'm, I like, I'm going to act, it's going to be the first book that I've read in a year because like just swung through two chapters. <laughs> it was like 1145. I was like, I have to go to bed. Um, but anyways, all that aside, I just want to say you're phenomenal Thank and I'm you. so excited to finish it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what the fuck were we talking about for that? <laughs> Well, talking about how we can't sit down and read a book and why we feel unproductive, I think is something that's worth unpacking. Where did that come from? Yeah. Like, why is that a thing that we can't just, why do, why can't I just sit and read a book? And then when I force myself to do it, when I say, okay, that's fucked up, I'm going to give myself this hour to sit on the couch. I like can't, I get I so bored so quickly because I've trained my brain to like scroll after being bored for a second. And my brain just cannot focus for a mm-hmm. full hour on text. And that was like such a big part of my life. I loved reading so much. I love books. And I just feel so mentally fucked. <laughs> and I don't know how to I mean, fix that, it. That's going to be part of it. Because I, f- I feel like people ask me what my hobbies are. This has been a, a running joke with some people in my life. Because I feel like I don't have any. Mm-hmm. And I I say my hobbies are uh one of my hobbies is reading books because I've all like it, that's been a hobby of mine mm-hmm. I think it's when I was younger I was a really good reader and I feel like that was really beneficial for me in loving books like that kind of you know when you're if you're good at something whatever but yeah um, and I loved it I loved it so much and I've always been a big reader and I think you're right I think it's this like I'm used to whatever that chemical hit is of, of scrolling of whatever that is. Right. I, it's not immediate from a book. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, cause what I, then what I started doing about four years ago or so is I will only buy books that I could potentially option as a script. Mm. So then I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still in my mind, like yep. monetizing it. And there have been several books that I that I bought and was going to read, and then someone else optioned them, and I'm like, well, what's the point of reading them? <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong? I don't have to monetize, or I don't have to tie in, or like, I I oh. um, I will buy uh like things to to do artistically, like um, uh, I can't even think of anything that I've done. Oh, like buying um stuff to paint like mm-hmm. ceramics to paint okay my first thought is like oh yeah I'll sell them on eBay and make money yeah. off of them mm-hmm. and I get that it's maybe it's just a, like the entrepreneurial mindset or whatever the hell it is but I think it's mm. actually sadder <laughs> I think it's a I for whatever reason and I know that we're not alone in this but I can't I can't allow myself to enjoy things Mm, and I don't, and I don't know, it's so sad. And I don't know if it's because I, in my mind, I'm like, you're not where you want to be in your career. So how mm. dare you sit back and relax when you have things you could be doing to further your career. Mm. And I think, and it's that also, I, 
identify myself. I get a lot of my identity from being someone who works the hardest, right? Like I, I, I like being like, maybe I'm not the most talented person in the world, but I'll work really, really hard, mm. which is something that I've always loved about myself. But I think it's really damaging because then at when I'm sitting down to read, I'm having an identity crisis. Like when I'm sitting down to enjoy something and I'm not working hard, I'm literally having an identity crisis because mm-hmm. this is not this is not who I am. I don't have fun. I don't enjoy things. I I work, mm. and it's fucking brutal. I don't know how you. I don't know. I'm gonna start doing like, I don't know, shock therapy. <laughs> <Or just like, laughs> I I don't, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. I fall into that same trap, and like I say, it's sad because like that I feel it like I and it makes me sad like I'm like at this baseline of sadness a lot of the time it's like joy has been sucked out of our lives like we don't we're like we aren't deserving of joy somehow we've been like conditioned or taught that somewhere along the way that we're we don't deserve to seek pleasure and like enjoy things and that's definitely something I've been coming up against a lot like in motherhood like that comes up for a lot of people like you know, to enjoy something outside of your role as a mom or as a wife is like shameful and you should feel guilty. So I've been like kind of basically doing like exposure therapy and like forcing myself into other situations that would make me feel that way. So I started, I do this like amateur, like adult, like band, I guess, or I like sing in a band. (laughs) That's like really fun yeah yeah so I like do pro I do rehearsals with them and we do like gigs every now and then and I like get to talk to other adults and it's like something completely outside of my family life I'm not monetizing I'm not making money it's just something I'm doing for myself because it's fun and like every time I do it it, there's this like voice in the back of my head like this is silly this is wasteful I shouldn't do it and I'm just like shut up this is fun like I want to have fun and I'm kind of trying to like use that as like my teaching vehicle for my brain to let the neuroplasticity like retrain my brain to allow more of that into my life because I really even with the podcast I do that with the podcast I'm like this is such a waste like why am I doing this is so self-indulgent like but that's not I know it's not true like it's other people enjoy it like there's value to it and stuff but I have this like voice in my head and I don't know where she came from I'm really trying to get to know her and figure it out Cause she's loud. Yeah. She's loud. loud She came from somewhere and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm curious about how things are going like with work and stuff right now. I have no idea, like no updates of what's going on. I know that your movie's streaming and I have it synced up to watch soon. So I'm really excited (laughs) about that. Um, I have like a weekend to myself that I'm going to just like sit and binge some, some movies that I've been wanting to watch and that's on my list. But, but yeah, what's going on? How's, how's work life? Oh God. Which could be a triggering question. So I know I'm trying not, I'm trying to not be, uh, I'm trying to come like be positive. (laughs) Try to come (laughs) from a positive place first. Um, yeah, that movie, it's so funny because we shot that movie, it was the first movie I ever did, mm-hmm. ever. And uh, it, we shot it in Delray. And I think um, I, I have a personal attachment to it um, because of the people, like it was, again, my first movie. 
and it was such a fun experience. Like I lived with the cast and they were so great. And then we all kind of moved to LA together roundabout ish. And Mm. that was just, I mean, things that I uh, look back on now, like those were, you know, the good times kind of a thing um, that I wish I would have recognized more in the moment, but don't we all, but that also was a weird thing where I'm like, this is my first movie, I think, um, that's been on Amazon or that's mm. been available to stream. And it's my own, and it's the only one I have. Again, I'm pretty sure. And I'm like, I've been doing this for like six, almost seven years now. And I only have one movie available to stream. Like that was its own mind fuck. I was mm-hmm. like, why don't I have more? I should be, have more to show for what what I've done, mm. the work that I've put in. So while I was so happy that it was like available and um, it's, you know, it's cute. And uh, I just, it was like its own anxiety where I was like, mm. I, I, it wasn't enough for me to be like, I have a movie. Like there are people who would kill to have their face anywhere near amazon prime but yeah. i was like i only have it one time <laughs> yeah this is the process shit right like i should have just sat and just like stared at my face on <laughs> my screen for like an hour um and indulged in that and i haven't done that like i booked a, I booked a gig um and i don't know it's it was supposed to shoot in january and then it's supposed to shoot in february and now it's supposed to shoot in march so who fucking knows Mm-hmm. because of COVID so who knows but um but imme- I booked it I got the call from my manager that I booked it like this is great immediately after I was like that's not even that big of a deal like here are all the reasons why I shouldn't be this excited about that because mm. it's not here are all the reasons is why that? this doesn't matter who's doing that oh my god I don't know I wish you would blow away because it's <laughs> Oh, it sucks. And I, and that was one of my, you know, new year's resolutions or whatever, if you will, where I was like, what, what's really kind of fucking me up. And one of the things is that like not being able to enjoy the good things when they happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my boyfriend about it and he was like, we just need to be happy for the day. We need to indulge in this. Let's get a cake. Let's just like do something. Let's do a little mini celebration. Um, he's like, let's go out for a drink. And in my mind, I'm like, we can't go out for a drink. I have stuff I have to do tomorrow. Like I have to make money tomorrow. So dumb. But um, but yeah, so I work is fine. You know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to hold on to all of the wins and celebrate the wins when they happen, which I think is another part of enjoying the process. Like mm-hmm. instead of rewiring my brain to instead of uh every time something good happens immediately dismissing it and being like don't get too excited about this don't be humble about this it's not a big deal does it mean that anything for anything i'm trying to now rewire it to be like every single thing that is even a little bit of a win enjoy it Mm. because that's going to be more fulfilling then not (laughs) that's exactly right as you were saying that I was thinking of how like because I do the exact same thing but I was thinking like why do we do this why do we do this and one thing that's coming up is like when I get rejection or when I get things that are considered bad 
I protect myself emotionally because I don't want to feel it. So I'm like, that's no big deal. Like, I'm really good at accepting rejection. I could just be like, oh, it's fine. It happens. Part of the process. And move it on. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing that and training my brain, it makes sense that my brain is kind of going to do that across the board. So when something great yeah. happens, I'm going to be like, oh, it's no big deal. So forget it. Oh, we're not going to worry about it. We're not going to feel any emotions ever. Like, just ever. keep moving forward and don't feel anything ever. And I'm like, yeah. maybe part of my work or anybody's work is like, let yourself feel rejected. Like, let yourself feel it. What does that feel like? Because it doesn't feel like nothing. You're just training yourself to feel nothing when you get those, you know, ghosted emails or rejection letters or whatever. So maybe that's some work I need to do is like, feel that like little kid Lauren who gets like embarrassed and shameful when someone doesn't want to like hang out with her and like kind of like sit with it for a little, which is not fun work. And I don't plan on rushing to do it anytime soon but something yeah. to keep in mind I guess yeah because I do want to enjoy the good stuff yeah like feelings are meant to be felt right that's that's the, the whole what thing they say. that's what they say like but yeah I don't maybe, maybe that is the thing maybe it is this where we just being numb is safer mm. all across the board just as a defense mechanism it's just it's easier to feel like you're on a flat road at all times than to actually go uphill to enjoy the downhill it's Mm. um so yeah maybe it is just like being present in that because I do the exact same thing like when I when I get rejected or, or when something bad happens or even when something good happens to somebody else, it feels like a rejection. Mm. And I've, and I'm someone who I know about myself. I, I like feeling that significance, right. Or that importance or that uniqueness, whatever it is. I do like feeling that. Um, but it's, I've just been trying to rewire where I get that from, from a place that is in my control. And that's hard because what's not in my control is if somebody else is doing something that I'm not doing or somebody else gets an opportunity that I can't get or that I haven't gotten yet. Um, And then I feel insignificant. I feel inadequate. I feel all these bad feelings. And to me, that's part of the the rejection is that comparison monster. and then I don't know, maybe, maybe part of it is feeling, letting yourself feel that rejection. Like you said, letting yourself feel that pain, that hurt, whatever those feelings are so that you can then feel, you can then pull from the bucket of the good feelings, mm. you know, like take, if someone books something, I always should rewire my, we rewire my brain to if, if a friend of mine or, or an acquaintance or someone that I've even met once books a show, say, um, I, tr- I, I let myself feel that, that I feel bad that I don't have that. And I feel bad that I um, am not there or whatever. And then I try to be like, but it's a win because someone that I know and someone that I've met or someone that I know who is talented or whatever it may be has gotten this, which means I can. 
that's the other side of it. That's like mm-hmm. my dumb analogy. That's the uphill and the downhill. Mm-hmm. And I think you need both, I guess. But yeah, it's not about thinking of it as like directional, like it's up or down, left or right. It's all together, all at once. It's both at yeah. the same time, like both and. My therapist always says that it's both and <laughs> or and both, whatever. Better but like that—that yeah. that is it. Like I'm feeling jealous or envious in this moment and I'm also reminded that I can do that too and I yeah. can feel I can feel both happy and sad at the same time like I, and I don't have to explain myself like that's another big one like I'm always explaining myself to myself yep. like justifying and over explaining why do I feel this way like trying to like out like think myself out of my feelings and I need to just like cool it and just no you're just feeling it like no we're gonna shut up you're just gonna feel it I'm going to step yeah. back and I'm just going to make you feel it. Sit in it. <laughs> Sit in it. Marinate in it. Oh, um, with that, I, and I've, my boyfriend and I have talked about the, like, I, I feel like I'm fascinated by myself. <laughs> fascinated with myself. But I do, I feel like over, you know, I've done a lot of self-discovery and whatever you want to call it over the past you know, probably like five, six years. Um, very, it's, I feel like I've had exponential kind of self-growth, if you will. And I've become fascinated with learning why I do things mm. and why I do things, the way that I do things, where it comes from, what it means, what's underneath, all of those things, right? It's fascinating to me. And I love dissecting it and figuring it out. I think it is important. But on top of that, sometimes I also feel like I will diagnose myself with something and then not change it. Mm. Like I was, uh, we were having a conversation the other day. That's a lie. It was like weeks ago, but <laughs> I, I'm all, I, I classify myself as an empath, right? So like that, t- that term has been like shot to death, but, um, <laughs> but that's how I classify myself, whatever. But in that classification, Am I using it as a crutch to not mm. grow from the hindrances that being an empath can put on you? Like, am I just being like, I've done all this self-discovery work to know where this is coming from. So I'm like, yeah, but my mom did A, B, and C when I was growing up. So that's why I do this. And, and I love that, that figuring that aspect out, mm-hmm. but has that, am I, do I, is that where it stops? Because I've done that work, am I not now going further to be like, okay, how can I change that? How can I fix that? Because I've put myself in this category that I now am just sitting in. Mm. Do you ever feel that way? Yes, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. So like, I think that that's a step in the process of that work that like the work kind of falls under the umbrella. And like that part is of understanding of like doing the work of like, awareness, like self-awareness is essentially what that step is, right? Like paying attention to yourself and be like, oh, I'm doing something that I have, I don't know why I do that. Let me look into that. Let me do a little research. Then you come with, come up with an answer and then you accept that that's true. Like, yeah, that's something that I've been avoiding believing for a really long time. And now I'm facing it and I'm making myself sit and accept like, yeah, that's part of my identity right now. Like that's something that is part of me. And then it's, I think a next step would be to like, is that something I need to change? 
yes or no? Why do I say yes or no? Like really understanding that because that comes up with me a lot is like people outside in the external world are telling me certain things about me are like not good and I need to change them or they're wrong and they're not how I'm supposed that they're not how I'm supposed to be. And for a long time, I've believed them, like believing I'm lazy or believing I'm like, you know, un- you know apathetic. I'm like, I never want to do anything or whatever. And for a long time, I've believed it like, oh, God, like I must be so like lazy and useless. And then I sat with it for a little. I was like, why am I this way? And I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like normalized when I was growing up to kind of just like loaf around and like watch TV and like not really make plans and kind of just go with the flow. Like I've always been the one who kind of just like follows along with everyone else's plans. And is that bad? And like, that's where I've been at recently in the process is like asking myself, like, is it, is that a bad thing that I just want to sit and hang out? Like it was never a bad thing before until someone suddenly started telling me that. And I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't right now. I don't feel like it is like, I do feel like it's a fine part of my personality. I don't think I need to get rid of it. I think I need to honor it more than I have been. Um, And just like, yeah, I can sit on the couch without an explanation. Like, I don't need to explain why I'm sitting here watching a show in the middle of the day. Like I just get to, and I'm gonna, and yeah, it's really like a whole process of like truly getting to know yourself and unlearning what everyone else has told you about yourself. That's been a big one for me. Like remembering who Mm -hmm. I was before everyone was telling me who I was has been big and that's, and it's been a good process so far. Like, I really feel like over the past couple of years, I've like really gotten to know myself, like really sat with myself and faced myself. And I like her and I'm like enjoying her and getting to like do the work with her, like with somebody I feel for the first time where I felt like really lonely in that work before. Cause I wasn't like inviting her in like whoever it is inside my brain. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> no, it does. That's, well, and that's, that's the work I've been doing. That's so great. And I, it's, it's, gosh, sitting with yourself is so hard. Why is it the hardest thing in the world? I guess mm. it's because if, if you have to sit with just yourself and you have to decide whether or not you like yourself, the answer could always be no. Mm. And then it's like, it's determined, right? Mm. I guess that's the scary part. But you actually said, I'm going to butcher it, but you said something in your book <laughs> that was so fascinating to me. When I, 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 when I was growing up, I wanted to be cool so bad. That was like <laughs> the end all be all. I wanted to wear what everybody else was wearing. I wanted, like, I was the exact opposite of you. I had no, <laughs> I had no individuality. Like I wouldn't, if I started to like something, I would like kind of poke around with my friends and be like, does somebody else like this? You know? Okay. Well, we we like it no more. Um, and it's that's been a hard thing to undo. And and again, the first step of that is figuring out where the hell that even comes from. What was the purpose of that? What was I trying mm-hmm. to accomplish? And um, doing that. And then, uh, but you mentioned. Well, how did you word it? It was like I should have brought your book because it was it was it really like hit me. Um, something about undoing listening to yourself like finding your intuition inside Mm -hmm. you what you actually like because you get that gut feeling where you're like Mm -hmm. no I don't actually enjoy this I don't actually 
like this food, this movie, this book, this conversation, this person. Um, and instead of looking for validation outside, like look for validation within. And mm. I think that's, that's so strong. And I don't know, just the way that you worded it, I was like, fuck, I really need to do that. <laughs> yeah, same. Like, yeah. <laughs> Have you read your book? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, highly recommend. But I think that's really hard with social media too, right? Like that's the, that's oh. the whole thing with posting on social media. It's that balance of, at least for me, it's I want to, I want to put things out into the world that people are going to relate to and people are going to enjoy and laugh at and feel something for, because I want, I want that for the world. I want to be able to contribute to the world in, in some capacity in that way. But I feel like a lot of that time, it, what, like, what is the line between trying to give people something they can relate to and laugh at and pandering to what I think they want? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, and I think it's Let's so thin. Unpack that. What is that it's, line? Have you found it yet? <laughs> no. Oh my god, no. It's it's a daily thing. And I have to mm-hmm. every time I write out a little sketch or whatever, I sit at my computer and I'm like, okay, do I actually think that this is funny? <laughs> and then I'm like, but do other people think <laughs> it's funny? <laughs> Are other people gonna like this? And I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> do do I like this? And I'm like, but if I just put out stuff that I like, am I actually making people laugh and contributing to society in the way that I want to? But then I'm like, but, but if I like it, somebody else is going to like it. So even if one other person likes it, then, then it's worth putting out. And it's like, but like you make money off of this. So you have to do <laughs> it's this. It's a constant battle. Mm. And it's you said something interesting. Battle. You said, am I contributing the way I'm supposed to? And I'm curious as like, where does that come from? Right? (laughs) Like, because contributing, just existing is your contribution. That's what we forget. Like, we don't owe anyone anything. Like, sure, this is a job and you make money. And that is something you have to, like, I don't necessarily consider that when I'm making stupid videos on TikTok because it isn't my job. But when you are doing it and like, there's an extra layer to that, that's something to consider. But in the grand scheme of it, if you're posting stuff that you don't necessarily feel all the way good about, or you're kind of feel like you're pandering a lot, it's like, who is it for? Like, am I just doing this? Like I should, I should enjoy it too. And I'm sure you I do. Know. It looks like you enjoy making your videos, but I always am so curious about that. Cause I see content creators like yourself and other ones that I just like all there's, it's just so funny and smart. And I'm like, Oh my God, how'd you think of that? And like, of course, as the content creator, I know you don't, we don't like consider what the consumer is like thinking of. I was like, when I hear you tell me that, like you liked anything in my book, it's always a shock. Anytime anyone even tells me they read it or opened it. Like, I'm like, really? Like, thank you. Like you made sure. it like the cover page, but I'm, and I know that other creatives do the same thing. Like when I tell you, like your videos are really funny. And I, I always think about how smart you are and all the work it takes to put in. Like, I always think about that, but as the creative, we're not thinking of it. And yeah, like just you existing and showing up is like the whole job. <laughs> like, And I really do think that you'll just reach who there's so many people. There's so many of us. <laughs> so many people. 
and it's funny too because I I feel like also thank you for the compliments I it's <laughs> I like can't receive them for some reason but I <laughs> know that that was really nice so I appreciate it um but I the, the this funny thing happens right when I make a video and I'm sure everyone who puts things out into the world experiences some form of this I feel like but I'll make a video and it will get a little bit of a reach, right? People will view it and start commenting. And it's usually just people who follow me or people who it's been fed to them very directly through the algorithm, whatever. And I'm always like, this is great. People people are relating to this. People are responding to this. It feels so good. Um, But in my head, I'm also like, but it needs to get more views because more views means more followers, means more money, means more reach, means more significance in the world, mm. right? Uh, um, but the more views it gets, the bigger that circle gets, the less it becomes, you know, for lack of better words, like my people, the people who, who I feel like get me and I get them and it mm. kind of opens itself up to the world who doesn't get me, I don't get them. We don't have that relationship and that's scary. So it's, you you want that mm. because of the reach that it has, but you also, that's, you're opening yourself up to like the scary land out yeah. there. And that's another struggle too, because that's, because it, that's where the line with pandering comes, right? Because yeah. it's, then I if I'm pandering to someone I'm not being my authentic self and how are how are the people out there in the big scary world gonna know who I am Mm -hmm. if I'm not being authentic to myself or whatever it's I don't know dude it's (sighs) it's a weird thing I I can't believe that this is the world that we (laughs) it's such a so grateful I love talking about it with people because it's such a mindfuck. And I, I, I keep, I stay having these conversations. Like I don't shut up about this. I think it's so fucking fascinating that all of us are just in this thing and we all feel the exact same way about it. And we're all just continuing to do it because we don't fucking know what else to do. And like, we all feel the same way. And like, especially like most of the people talk to are creatives and like, there's such a point of contention with creatives that are like, I saw a video of Maggie Rogers recently. She's like a singer. Somebody else posted a video of her talking about like, are you, you like her? I don't, I'm not like super familiar with her. So, but she was talking about like, what a shame it is that like creatives are being expected to like output and produce so much and so quickly, like artists are coming out with like a single every month and like, you know, things like that. And I, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I'm totally part of that problem. And like a lot of the creatives I see are, falling into that too and like yeah I haven't really it's like few and far between when you get like an album like a full album and you can like sit with it you know and then when they do come out you like when you think about it it feels so good like when Adele's recent album came out like after so long and I got to like sit with that whole thing and like listen to it and it was like a it it actually left an impact. And like, when I watched inside, I talk about it all the fucking times so on blue in the face, but inside left that type of impact on me because it was like this full thing that put a, he put a lot of effort in and like, it took a long time and I had to sit and watch the whole thing. And it left an impact. And all of us, not only are we creating that type of content because that's like what we're supposed to do to like 
do the whole climb of like getting the followers and getting the money and making the impact and like whatever, but we're consuming each other doing it. So that's like the loop that we're all in. So like I'm getting inspired by other people doing like the half-assed watered down version of it. So I'm going to do the half-assed watered down version of it. We're just on all keep doing that in this little whirlpool. And then every now and then one of them will like jump out and do something really cool and big. But I don't know how to fix that. <laughs> I don't know what's, what's going to fix it because we're well, all real stuck. We're all real stuck. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the biggest one of the most popular apps specifically in our country i don't i don't know the actual numbers but it's tiktok is probably one of those popular apps and it's mm -hmm. mainly based on people following trends doing the same shit and it's huge and we watch mm -hmm. it for hours a day mm -hmm. and we get sucked in but it's people doing their own version of the same shit and like what what a reflection of where we're at in the world because we're my, my boyfriend's in the music industry and so he always tries to relate you know to the, to the music industry and he said the exact same thing like everyone's chasing a single and that's what content creators are doing too we're trying to chase a single our viral mm -hmm. video mm -hmm. you see these these content creators who they'll do one video that goes viral and then they'll do six thousand videos of that exact same thing mm -hmm. because they're trying to chase that virality I do it too. We all do it, mm -hmm. of course. Like, because it's that fine line. Like, people obviously respond to this. You want to keep giving them something to respond to. But at the end of the day, you are chasing that feeling. You're chasing that that hit. And um, and yeah, he uh, sometimes I'll I'll do a video and I really like it. I think it's really funny, but it hasn't gotten a lot of views and like the comments don't seem like people are really engaged with it or whatever, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and he'll be like, yeah, that's just, that's your, that's a deep cut on your album. You know, mm. like you have all these singles, but that's just like the album. That's one of the songs on the album that like, not a lot of people are going to know, but the people that do know that song are obsessed with it. They're like, that's mm. an album, like, you know, <laughs> Courtney, Courtney's TikTok in 2021, man, that she did this <laughs> one video, it got 10,000 views, but man, it was it, whatever. Right. And I think, I don't think of it in terms like that. I think of it, I don't think of it in um, like cumulative work, like mm -hmm. you said, I think of it in, in individual hits and in individual pieces that I'm putting out there, not am I happy with the overall album to use yeah. analogy again. And do you know why I think we do, we feel that way? because we get we go viral all the people see us and then we do something to show more of ourselves that we aren't just the girl who listened to slob on my knob at her fifth grade birthday party which is my personal <laughs> video that went viral like i also have other parts of me that i share on the internet and when i share those those are the ones that don't get attention so i take it personally that's why i oh. feel so like oh my god what's wrong with this video what's wrong with it what's wrong with it nothing i'm just taking it personally because i feel like all these people liked me when i did this one thing but when i show them that i also talk about whatever mental health or something they're like shut up about that like go talk about ludicrous and like fine <laughs> fine i get that that's how it works 
but internally, like it's doing something to my perception of myself that when I, and it's the algorithm too. Like if I talk for three minutes about something that I'm really passionate about, that I really care about, and I make a three minute video and I'm talking, nobody fucking sees it or cares about it. But if I fucking make a video dancing to some silly song that everyone else is dancing to that, like, it's like favoring that it's favoring the people doing the same version of this, their own version of the same thing. And when you said that, it like struck such a nerve, like that is what it is. Like, that's what we're doing. We really need, we need to get out of it. <laughs> like, I don't, the only way I've seen that it works is when I just delete it all together. And I don't want that to be a solution because I find so much value in it. Like I meet people and I make connections and I learn so much on TikTok about the world and about myself. And like, I don't like the truth is I, I was off it all of the summer. I read more books over the summer than I have in like the past probably 10 years. Like that's just the truth. My house was cleaner than it's ever been. I was talking to my friends more often than I usually do. Yeah. It's, it's, it freaking sucks, dude. I, I was, I was talking to this girl um, and she was like, I'm, she was trying to be more active in content creation. And she was like asking me questions about it. And I forget what I said. And then her response was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just an algorithm. You can't take it personal. It's just all numbers and metrics. And I was like, uh, <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, 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 let me, let me write that down. Wait, wait. <laughs> I like had to stop. I was like, oh my God, you're a hundred percent correct. I never, and it's, it's, it's funny. I, I'm fascinated by what things, you know, just hit certain people, mm-hmm. whatever resonates to like the core. Um, but that really, I was like, yeah, it's not that the video isn't funny. It's just that people liked it and didn't know what to comment and they didn't have anyone to share it with. So it didn't get as many, it didn't go into the algorithm as much and didn't get as many views. It doesn't mean that people didn't fucking love it. It's just numbers and metrics and, and, you know, the certain hashtag or whatever. And I, but I take it so personally, like you said, it's like, but I, here I am putting this thing out into the world. And if it doesn't get a lot of views, then therefore I am not funny. I am not smart. I am not. I, I don't deserve to be creating content. Like mm. that's where it ultimately goes to. I take it so personally when it's not about me, it's about everybody else's experience and the metrics that go behind pushing it. Yeah. Which like it like blew my brain into a million pieces. Yeah. And like, as you were saying that, the truth is like content creation is such a lonely gig. Like we're on our fucking own. And like, cause I was thinking about like, wouldn't it be cool? Cause when I was in writing classes in college, um, we would like sit around a circle and like write something like, like bare our soul and then just like pass it to the next person and workshop it with like a group of people. And they would like red line, like, you know, put red marker on it and like fix it up or whatever and hand it back. And I liked this, do this differently, whatever. And it was like a peer telling me like nothing personal, but here's a way that you can make this thing that you felt like you really loved a little better. And like that process was like the camaraderie of of it all, of everyone being vulnerable to each other and like helping each other. That doesn't exist to my knowledge in the content creation world. Like I don't know of like pods of, 
of content creators who are like, here's this video that I'm, that I did. Like, can I get your critique on it? Whatever. Like we're mostly just like record post, record post. Like, let's just see what happens. And then we're left feeling really lonely, really lonely when it's like, doesn't do well. And that could be something that we should think about normalizing. If we can just like gather up a few of our fellow peers on the internet who are doing similar things and like work together and workshop things and remember that like we're not alone like that that person also tried to bear their soul and got zero likes on their video and it happens to everyone and it's okay but it is lonely i don't think about that lonely and this is uh, i can i'm classifying myself again um here from the labels but i consider myself an extrovert Mm. um in that and, and solely that I get energy when I'm around other people. And mm. I, I do like, I guess I consider myself an extrovert because I don't, because the lack of identifying with being an introvert. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's like the right jurisdiction, but I, I don't, I don't feel drained. Like when I leave a party, I'm energized. So that's mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like textbook definition. I think I'm an extrovert just because of that. Who knows? But, and I was like, maybe because of that, I'm sitting in my room and I'm staring at either the white of my uh, ring light or I'm staring at my own face doing a video, trying to be energized and happy and doing this character and da 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 da. And there's nobody laughing at me in the audience. There's no, because I remember I was like, why does this feel so draining compared to like being on set? Why mm. does this feel so lonely and like, and almost kind of empty to mm-hmm. a certain extent. And it's because I think when I'm on a set, like it's this collaborative experience where no matter what I'm doing, even I'm just showing up as an actor, like I'm talking with the director about what we're doing. And the, I, the, I'm talking with a makeup artist and, and person doing my hair. Like it's all, we're all somewhat in this together, even if I'm just kind of bringing someone else's idea to fruition. Um, and there's like an actual audience. There's, you know, there's like the sound guy who is there watching what I do. And I'm I'm feeding off the energy of mm. this collaborative effort. Whereas I'm just, you know, when I'm alone in my room, that's obviously not there. So then I try to get that feeling from after I put it out into the world. Because I, I, I was like, why do I have to, whatever I'm done filming something after I'm done editing it or whatever, I'm like, I have to put it out right now. Like, I need to put it out right now. And I remember being like, why? I, if it's 10 a.m., like, I actually know logistically it's not going to get as many views right now because of whatever reason. Like, I just feel like I have certain times that do better. I don't even know if mm-hmm. it's really a thing. But, um, I'm like, it does make more sense for me to do this later. Also, I know if I post at 10 a.m., I'm going to be checking it all day. So let's wait until the evening when I'm going to be cooking dinner and I can't look at it. Um, but I'm like, but I finished it. And now I have to share that experience. I can't sit with it just with myself anymore. I have to feel that out there. And then if it doesn't get a lot of views, I don't feel that. (laughs) I'm like, wait, why did I do this then? Mm. And that's, again, that's the fucking loop. And, uh, (laughs) and I keep, I keep saying like, you know, it's, it's fine because once I, once I book a film or a show or whatever, I just won't do social media anymore. I'll just like, 
I'll just be that girl who just posts pictures of my Vanity Fair articles or whatever. But that's not the case. Like, I, this is part of our lives. Like, I'm a, I'm a person who is going to be in some minor capacity in the public because that is the form in which I want to be in. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that you, I just have to figure out how to fucking deal with. It's not something that I can just be like, just get through it. And then it'll be done later on. Um, nope. Yeah. That's a good point. Accepting that you want that that is something about you. Cause that's something about me that I like ignore. Like I, I like sharing. I like, I like get energized when I'm like, have like a vulnerability hangover or whatever. Like that feels good to me. Like I yes. like over like unpacking my brain in front of other people. Like that is cathartic and it, it does help me and feel good. But like on the opposite side, cause you're doing this to, like for, as a job to get certain opportunities, like to get your name out there. Like there's like reasons and goals that you can like name and hold on to. The way that I do it is like, I I like don't let myself take it seriously, which is also bad because like, I don't necessarily try or I don't share something that like, maybe like, I just kind of like fuck around and I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to fuck around with this or whatever. Cause again, I'm protecting myself from the rejection of it all from feeling any of it. So I'm like, Oh, whatever that video didn't do well, but this is silly anyway. It's just me having fun on the internet. But like, it really like if I'm being honest, like I do want to connect and collaborate with other creative people. I want to have opportunities to collaborate with creative people and write with them and produce things with them. Like I want that to be my life, but like I won't let myself take myself seriously enough to do it. So what does that leave me do? Leave all my projects to be done on my, alone. My book all by myself, the podcast all by myself besides like inviting guests on. But like I just kind of like force myself into this little narrative that like I'm just me alone doing these things for myself and I can't I don't give give myself any room for opportunity to come into my life. Like I don't I'm like closed off to it really if I think about it. Oh god, that's something I don't want to deal with. <laughs> I just like opened something up I wasn't ready to. But yeah, I need to like really let myself like it takes vulnerability to like collaborate and like put yourself out there with other people and like work with other people and I don't do that and I I thrive in that environment like I love brainstorming I love this I love talking I love like being creative with other people but I have not set up anything in my life to like make that a normal staple in in it so yeah <laughs> Yeah, because it's it's scary, right? Because there's all there's a possibility of rejection. So that's mm-hmm. what's so I, I, it makes total sense to me. But I, mm. but I'm with you. I yeah, it's it. I also want to get to a place like I've I've also thought about reaching out to people and doing like collaborative videos or whatever. But then in my, in my mind, I'm like, but that's not my brand. Yeah, <laughs> my brand is just me, and that's fucking stupid. Like, no, it's I don't. That's such a dumb, not real thing. Mm-hmm. And if it is real, the only aspect in which it's real is to acquire more views, right? Is to put yourself into a box so that 
other people can digest you easier and that more people will will follow you because they're able to understand mm-hmm. you more and not letting yourself escape from that box. Um, and that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good either. Mm-hmm. Do you, because this is also, I do feel, again, there is that entrepreneurial, like got to monetize, got to keep moving forward kind of a mi- mindset, the tenacity, right? That mm-hmm. I know you also have. And so that's hard for me to just give up when I'm making TikToks too. It's like, I want to be able to just think it's, I want to be able to just be like, this is just silly and fun and I'm just being goofy. But then, the, but then that other part of my brain clicks in where I'm like, yeah, but this is like a huge industry and mm-hmm. you're really missing out on like, I, I want to feed that, that part of myself, that, that driven part that wants to keep moving forward and that kind of gets off on feeling like I'm, I don't know, like that, you know, that fucking like boss energy thing mm-hmm. that I, that I want, you know, and, and so that's hard. Cause that's very conflicting. The like creative, like the left brain, right brain that I'm constantly having too. That's probably why a lot of content creators have like other accounts. Like, I don't know if you see that. I see that a lot and I never really, that makes a lot of sense. Like they have the one where they can just be whatever and it's not for anything and it's silly. And then they have the one that has like the little check mark next to it and they make money on it and stuff like that. But yeah, like we're probably not alone in wanting to like also use it just for us and have fun and like hang out with our little close group of friends which is like the fun part of it. And then a lot of us have come to the point where it's like, oh, people are paying me to do this. I need to like clean my my act up. But then you just have like another account for that maybe. I have a question. I'm curious. Oh God, I just lost it. Let me get it back. Hold it. Oh no. (laughs) Oh, here it is. So I fall into this trap. I'm wondering if you do the same thing. Do you, I don't know how to word it. Like, do you like wait for people to like come to you to do stuff? You're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm like, I have this like, maladaptive fantasy daydream where I'm like, oh, someone's going to see something I did or someone's going to read my book or someone's just going to come across me and then come into my DMs and like ask me to join them in on something or whatever. Like, like I never have to put in any effort. It's just going to happen. Like, I always feel like that's the trap that I fall into. I'm wondering if you do too. (laughs) 600,000%. To to my core. I mean, it's funny because people Uh, ask me, People ask me why I started acting and I started, you know, I guess relatively late for a lot of people in the industry. I was like 24, 25 when I moved to LA Um, and I started it in Miami, but but anyways, Mm -hmm. it's still somewhat late. But when I was growing up and a lot of this was like a small town and just maybe like a, my close circle, the ideology of my close circle. But like being an actor, being in the film industry, it didn't seem like a career that you went and chased. It was a career that came to you. Again, I always joke that like, I'm just going to be walking around the West Virginia mall and, you know, (laughs) Steven Spielberg is going to discover me or like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll become Hillary Duff at some point, but it's because someone's going to be like, that's the next Hillary Duff. (laughs) Just by by looking at her. and I think uh-huh. like I had, I had that crazy fantasy and it's, it's happened in, it happens in other aspects too, not even career. Like 
relationship, mm-hmm. um, friendships, you know, all these different things. I'm like, they'll come to me instead of me actually pursuing them. Um, and I'm, I feel like I have a, I'm trying to find a healthier balance because obviously what we're scared of is rejection, right? Mm-hmm. We're scared of, we put ourselves out there, we can get slapped in the face. And that feeling sucks, right? We hate that feeling. But but when you put yourself out there, when you kind of go after what you want and then something comes from it, that is an incredible feeling. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes forget how good that feels when I go after something and it does pan out. Because that is all because of you. Mm-hmm. Like that little bit of success, whatever it may be, that feeling, that's all because of you. Because you... And that goes back to my identity thing, right? Too. It's like I, I'm, I'll be the hardest worker in the room. So <laughs> that's it's validating that identity, um, which I'm not. But you know, it's. I think. I think it's. I always forget how that feels, and I always forget what can come from it. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just so scared of of that rejection, because it's yeah. it's it sucks. And I'll do you one better, even if you don't get the thing. It also feels good to try. To and try. that's something that always fucks me up. Like I, you, my number one maladaptive daydream is I'm going to run into fucking Bo Burnham on my morning walk in the middle of fucking South Florida. He's going to bump into me and be like, hey, yeah. we should be best friends and write together. Like literally that has been my <laughs> recurring maladaptive daydream for the past like decade. Okay. Like I'm a sick person. And when I, I really wanted him to read the book. And it wasn't just going to fucking fall on his lap one day. Like, I know that. So I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to fucking try to get this book to him. And I tried so hard. Like, I did everything I possibly could to the point where I was like, I'm a stalker. Like, I can't fucking keep <laughs> trying to do this anymore. Like, whatever. But I did get it to his his publicist's office. Like, I got confirmation from his, like, publicist assistant or something that it got there. And she was, like, super nice and helpful. So I'm like, intern girl. And, like, the fact that I even, like, landed it there was like felt so good I was like okay I did that all right like it like took something off my shoulders a little bit and I was like okay I tried and that itself felt worth it and I that's another one that I don't let myself remember because doing it starting it feels really scary and vulnerable and shameful and silly like when I was fucking emailing his talent agent or whatever like an idiot like I felt so stupid because I'm nobody I'm like less than nobody in like the Hollywood world so like who am I sending like this the publicist for who Jennifer Lawrence and all these people like I get it but then I did it and I was like oh like I didn't burst into flames like it was just me trying and trying is hard but it feels it feels good when you do it. It's like, oh, look what I'm capable of. I surprised myself. And yeah, he didn't read it. Like, that's probably not going to happen. But it, it got me closer to that being a possibility. He might stumble upon closer. it one day. <laughs> but, but also, by the way, uh, he's the fucking best. I also have these dumb fantasies that he's going to, like, DM me on Instagram and be like, <laughs> you you <laughs> you get me <laughs> i'm gonna be uh, like, i might sir i might um <laughs> but but yeah i it's i that's i guess 
um, coming full circle. I think that's part of enjoying the process. Mm. It's, it's instead of being so wrapped up in once I'm done doing all of this, what's going to be the result being like, I'm a fucking badass for just sending this email. Like, look at Mm -hmm. me fucking go, look at me go. I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing that this is where the significance and importance comes in for me, but I'm doing the thing that 98% of the population won't do, but I'm doing it. And I might not, I might even get a focus on the result. This is, this is the Mm. thing to be cherished. And I don't do that. And that's something that I think we both, we all as human beings need to do because that's the juice. That's, that's where it is. Um, That's the juice. Love your book. (laughs) Just to be clear. I think he would love your book. Don't feed my illness. (laughs) I think whatever a, a little snack won't hurt but I, I, yeah I uh it and it's it's I do too by the way <laughs> yeah of course of course oh, God. I mean I've done stuff I've I've literally made sketches where I'm like I feel like Bo Barnum would like this <laughs> <laughs> I'm like post <sighs> yeah it's but uh it's cool and, and I think I and what's also really nice is that art can do that like there are times where I'm like what am I doing this for what's the fucking purpose and people like him and other people re like totally reignite this like fervor in me to Mm want to keep going and that's just art and I'm like can I do that for somebody else oh my god that's that's it thank you and good night like that's that's all that's all I fucking want so I think you for sure are anybody who does that like that's that's the main thing you're doing all the other stuff is gravy like the main thing you're doing is showing other like giving other people permission to do it yeah yeah I guess you're right (laughs) yeah it's it's what's what we're both doing right like we're both just Mm -hmm. putting ourselves out there and hoping that it helps other people do the same. Yeah. We're doing a good job, kid. <laughs> Are we the best? <laughs> Did I just solve all of my mental health issues like in one yeah. call? <laughs> uh, also, you're welcome, world. Uh, Weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. Well. Oh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna head over to my UN meeting that I have after this. <laughs> I'm gonna start my presidential campaign. I'm gonna win. Um, Goodness! Oh my oh. god, this is such a fucking treat on a Wednesday morning. Oh my goodness! This was I lovely. love it. Good, you're beautiful. And now I have your amazing. phone number finally, so I'm gonna like I have it saved because you texted me last time and I didn't save it. But and then I got that text from you and I literally was like. What? Who's calling me I sexy? Love it. <laughs> Listen, and you thought that I, my I, message to you was spam the other day too. I, did. I was telling you about I my did. tattoos. I really did. I really did. You can't trust. You can't trust the world. We no. need like a code word for yes. communication now. But now I have you saved, so I'll be sending you TikToks and words of affirmation and motivation. Please Leo. do. Yes, please do. We can lean on each I other. Will- I'll reach, I'll, I'll do the same. I'm not gonna say I'll return the favor. I can't promise it'll be a favor, but I'll do the same. <laughs> <laughs> but oh yeah. my God. Well, thank you again so much 
for this. <laughs> I don't even want to say it was like you. a this was just hanging out with a friend. This felt so good. Like I, what a dopamine boost. I love it. Yeah. Same. I love you. You're wonderful. Thank you for having me. This was of this course. was delightful. I don't do this. Enough. What do you have coming up next? What are you doing today? I I'm just kind of doing my own shit. I um mm. I'm trying to write some like sketches. Um I'm trying to I have a script that I'm working on. Um just like I'm also right only like, getting into like investing. Ooh. <laughs> no idea what I'm doing. No idea whatsoever <laughs> what I'm doing, but learning about stuff like that. I have That's some good. stuff to do. Cl- classic classic day, actually. All right. Well, I'm going to go to Target and try to cure my depression there. So. Yes! Oh, gosh. I'll let you know how that goes. Please do. All right. I love you, girl. Have a good one. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. I love you, too. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. But with any luck, you'll get something to chew on Maybe a thought or two to get unstuck It's not perfect, no It's perfect